we serve a, a living God. There's a true testimony of what God does in us, He'll do through us too. Amen. Church, it's, it's an absolute privilege and an honor for me to stand in front of you this morning to give you what I believe the Lord is saying for us as a church. And it's, um, I first want to thank Pastor Ryan and Ronell and the eldership of the church for giving me the opportunity to share the word this morning. I don't take it lightly. I, I know when preparing the word, God deals with us first. So it's a, it's a, it's a week of uh, introspection. It's a time spent with the Lord on this specific aspect. And I believe that this word is greater than just for me. And are you ready, church? Why don't you t turn your, in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Probably one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I wonder why. Are you there? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, and we're going to read from verse 1 through 16. This is what it says. Are you with me? So I want to, I want to firstly say that the Word is the Word, and it's powerful all by itself. It doesn't need add-ons. It doesn't need things in support of the Word, because the Word is powerful all by itself. This is what it says. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Can somebody say amen? amen? This is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called into the hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in, in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. He gave gifts to men. Are you with me so, so far? Now this, he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended for far above all the heavens, that he may be, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave to some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come. Can we say, can you turn to your neighbor and say, till we all? Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful, deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, 
may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Can we get an amen for his word? Now, this is a well-known passage. Whoever knows this passage? Who of us have studied this passage over and over? And every time you study it, there's, there's new revelation. There's, there's things that jump out at you by the Holy Spirit. And this is no different this morning. And it's, it's a significant passage as it gives us insight into why all of us are here today. What is it that we are to be and to do? It's clear from this passage of Scripture that we have all been given an assignment. Did you hear the word calling? Did you hear it? Turn to your neighbor and say, you and I have an assignment. You have an assignment. With His purpose and His plan in mind. Amen? There are so many things that I can pick up on this passage of Scripture, but a good place to start is is with the end. Paul says that Christ has given the church five gifts, right? Five gifts specifically for the equipping of the saints for what? For? For ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ so that we may become mature and grow up. So that we may become mature and grow up. Okay, so let's, let's just think about that for a second. The end goal here is that we may mature so that we look like Christ. Just think about that for a second. This is what the end is, right? You may say, Kirk, yeah, I know that. I know that. That's easy, right? I just need to do the things I know I should be doing according to the Word of God then I will mature. I will know what to do, how to do it, when to do it. I've got this. With a big smile on our faces. If any of us feel like this walk is easy, we might not just have a maturity issue, but a pride one as well. Can I get a witness? This is not easy. This is not easy. It's not for the (laughs) faint-hearted. Let me ask of us in the house, who's between the ages of 13 and 19, just by show of hands? (laughs) Mark, 13 and 19. 13 and 19. Show show of hands. They're all in children's church. They're serving in children's church. Who's between the ages of 20 and 30? Let's see. 20 and 30? Okay. It's a fair, fair number. Who's between 31 and 50? Sure. <clears throat> why, why is the gap so big? <laughs> sure. And who's older than that? Who's older than 50? Sure. 
Okay, let, let everybody just give yourselves a hand. There's, there's a, good, a good mix in the house. So I want to ask you, for those of us who are older than 30, can you remember what you were like when you were younger? Hey? Maybe a better question to ask is, can you recall how you used to think? I hear a couple of Aishas. Aish. And how silly it was. Hey? Can I get a witness? Can you remember the things that you used to do that you don't do any longer? So what's changed? What happened? We grew up. Eh? We grew up. We, we, we started maturing. We don't see things in the way that we used to. But what happened? Let me, fight, let me cite a few examples of what could have been the case, right? You know, when, you, when you're a child, your mom and dad usually wakes you up for school. Do you remember that? When you get to high school, to varsity, or in the working world, does your mom and dad still wake you up for school? <laughs> I sincerely hope not. <laughs> so what happened? What happened? You started developing responsibility. What else happened? You grew up, but what does that mean? How, how come you're waking up yourself now? <laughs> You've learned responsibility. <clears throat> okay? Hold that thought. Here's another example. Who remembers doing chores in ho at home? Who washed dishes? Who cleaned the yard? Do you remember that? <clears throat> now tell me who loved doing them. I remember having my chores around the house, and if they weren't done, I would be motivated in a particular way. <laughs> Do you remember that? So that we won't forget again. Which is funny because while the motivation is taking place and dished out, we would scream the words, I won't do it again. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Can you remember your attitude towards your chores? Can you remember them? Your posture towards doing them? It was the question that was asked, do I have to do this? Hey, Jazz. <laughs> You can just hear my mom saying, Vincent, the kids are being obnoxious again. And then the motivation would take place. <clears throat> you see, we got to learn a few things along the way on our natural journey into maturity. About the importance of exercising discipline and what the rewards are of having it. And what ill-discipline spells and gives up. Something happened in the process. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a process. It's a process which involves time and the transferring of responsibility. We are taught by our parents and caregivers 
And the end goal of any father and mother is to love their children, but ultimately equip them for life. Right? That's, that's when you look at your child, when they leave the house one day, what is your thoughts about? What are your thoughts about? That once my child leaves the home, that they will be responsible enough to actually manage their own affairs. Right? That's one of the reasons. They, they're equipped for life, what life gives up. It's training that will ultimately lead us away from being externally motivated. Remember that? Externally motivated. Where am I now? To only be, to being internally motivated because of an understanding of what our contribution brings to the family through discipline. Amen? Amen. Do you understand that, church? Isn't it funny how we were impressed by things back then but aren't anymore? Hey? Isn't it funny how I walk with the Lord sometimes that we can be impressed by things that Jesus is never impressed by? We understand things better now. We have learned and matured in these areas and, and can be said for many, many more areas of our lives. We are a lot calmer now. Who's a lot calmer now? Hey? A lot peaceful. Just look around the room. Peace. That's just peace. Right? We're a lot calmer now. We don't get work thing, up about things any longer. Hey? Can I get a witness? Is there, are, are there people that drink tea in the house? <laughs> Colin, is, Colin says old people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we drink tea, we're a lot calmer. I laugh, um, uh, Jazzy had a, a 19th uh, birthday party, and boy, I used to love loud music and, and bass and drums and, and, and really, you know, beat. I just want soft worship now in the background. I found myself sitting in the room in my one-seater, just... Can I just have some peace and quiet? In fact, I think we escaped. <laughs> I think we escaped on that day. We know better. We know better. <laughs> now there's just peace. You know, so, so some, some may say I'm getting old. Some may say you are getting old. I say that I'm maturing. How many of us know that you can be mature in age, but be immature in the things of God? In spiritual matters. So God's desire for us is to grow up and mature, not just physically, but in our relationship with Him, so that we can take responsibility for the assignment He has called us to through the process of maturity. Amen. So Jesus says to His disciples, it is better for me to leave. Do you recall that? Why? Why would He say that? It's because the enemy... Only had Jesus to contend with on the earth. And he lost six love. Now with the promise of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, each and every one of us, that is what's happening. Can you, can you look at that wall? Can you see what it says? We see a new breed of worshipers creating. It's not us creating the atmospheres. 
I want you to hold that thought. Each of us are carriers of the Holy Spirit. And we take territory for kingdom. He doesn't know how, the enemy doesn't know how to cope with that. The enemy is not omnipresent, not all-knowing, not on the same level as God. Amen? Turn into your Bibles, John chapter 14, verse 15 to 18. Listen to what it says. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it's not, it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for it dwells within you, and will be, be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Amen. Isn't that an awesome promise that we've received? So God's desire, are we joining the dots, church? Are we following this? So God's desire is for us to be taught by the Holy Spirit in order for us to, be, to mature and look like Jesus. That's simple to understand, right? Not so simple in practice. So the Holy Spirit dwells within us, but we can choose to obey what He teaches, what He reminds us about who Jesus is. The Word of God. Amen? Isn't it funny when you were younger, when your dad or your mom calls out to you in the house, somewhere in the house, Kirk, and they far somewhere, you can hear they far. But you can hear that call as well saying, Kirk, I need you actually. They didn't say that I need you to come and do something for me. Do you remember that? And then sometimes you pretend not to hear. (laughs) Do you remember that? You would all of a sudden do something else. A chore that's very easy. (laughs) It it, it is so funny this morning, church. Because I know... The chore that he wants me to do is what he wants me to do. Right? He calls me, we've got to lift something, we've got to fix something, we've got to, I've got to hold the ladder, I've got to do something, right? And I don't feel like doing that. Right? I want to, I want to say to you, church, that there's areas of our spiritual walk with the Lord that we do that sometimes as well. We find ourselves in a place of immaturity where we don't understand why it's important. Why what we've been asked to do is important. I want to I point it out in the Word this morning, and there's many areas. We're talking about specifically the process of maturity. Right? But there's three areas in which we can serve. Two of them will not promote maturity will not bring us maturity. But there's a third dimension that he's called us all to. Are you ready to hear it? So let's turn to the Word of God. It's, it's John chapter 4. So turn your Bibles there, but I'm going to give you a bit of a backstory as to what's happening here. I've received confirmation in prayer this morning. Where's Emmanuel? Emmanuel, you, you, 
you cited the scripture verse or this passage of scripture this morning in prayer. So picture this. Jesus meets a Samaritan woman at a well. Right? He and she were thirsty for water and a conversation starts which is very interesting. I mean extremely interesting. They get talking about water. How other water is better than this water and how you can have water that will be great water and how this water is the only water that will be the water that satisfy and that this water will be all that anyone needs but no one actually drinks water while this is taking place. Isn't that amazing? And then this is said further on in scripture. John chapter 4, verse 19 to 26, it says, The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our, listen to this. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you, Jews, say that in Jerusalem is the place we are ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. Sure, that's strong, eh? We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour, I want you to just highlight, if you've got your Bible, just highlight that word, but. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Jesus or is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us things. Jesus said to her, I am who you speak of. That's an amazing passage of Scripture. So all of us, just, just for, for a second, we all quote verse, I think it's verse, verse 19, 20, 22, where, where we say those who worship Him must worship in, in spirit and in truth. We, we, we actively quote that, but we, we don't necessarily go to the context of what it was said it was spoken about living water the water the holy spirit right now what there's three dimensions i'm going to speak about this morning the first dimension we encounter and is a trap church that we can fall into that prevents us from maturing and that is the trap of religion amen what does it mean? What are the acts that are externally motivated by in pursuing God? I go to church. I pray. I read my Bible. Because, and I serve because it's like paying your TV license. It's the right thing to do. Externally motivated. Right? You know that ad, Elman. 
Did you hear what the, what the woman said to him? Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. I saw them. Today it can sound like this. I saw my parents worship God. Hmm? They go to church. They serve by doing stuff. Religion is based on works we do that we think will get us closer to God. Yes, the intentions are pure, but we base our walk with the Lord on a list of things that we are deemed that are deemed to be righteous acts. I'm proving that I'm a good person, right? How do you know? Look at what I do. This is what I'm doing. It's externally motivated, not internally spirit-led worship. It is going through the motions one week from the other. It is the thing. It's the associated benefits of being found in church or to do the things that we're doing. A child says to a parent, look, look, I'm doing what is expected of me, right? I'm just doing it because I don't want to face the consequences of not doing it, being externally motivated. If I'm not with the Lord, where would I be? It's getting very quiet in here now. Can I get an amen? Are you with me, church? It's the prospect that scares us into doing what is expected. If I do, it's the, it's the, if I do all these things, it will go well with me outlook in life. What it may also look like while I'm doing it, I'm not particularly enjoying it. I will do it because I have to. Worship time is a time I can connect with the music. But don't go, don't go off into free worship. Andre, don't go off into free worship. Because then that means I'm expected to connect with God, which I cannot see. The word not really doing it, but I'm disconnected. Knowing scripture, but fail to exercise it because the goal is to know the word, not really to know the God of the word. Fellowship. You mean I have to treat these people like family? Only if I have to. There's a deadness to it. It's drudgery where everything we do for God is a drag. No relationship with Jesus, but with religion. You mean I have to forgive people? Okay, if I have to, because it's the right thing to do. But I'm watching you. I'm watching you. Are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. Please, can you tell your face that? Can we just imagine, church, how the father must look at his children? I'm thinking, he wouldn't say what my mom said. You know, these kids are being obnoxious. But can you, can you just picture that for, for a second? Jesus says to this woman, You worship what you do not know. You have not yet grasped what it's about. You have not matured yet into a place of understanding. Jesus says, firstly, 
You worship what you do not know. Dimension number one. Are you with me, church? He then says, Jews worship which they know. The second dimension or the second trap that we can fall into is actually idolatry. So it's firstly religion. The second dimension, the second trap that we can fall into is idolatry. But a very specific idolatry. It's the worship of self. It's the worship of self being self-reliant. Where does that come from? It's a place that we, where we acquire knowledge and our own understanding trumps that of a sovereign, all-knowing God. Faith is directed into what we know and can understand. How it can present itself is if, if it only makes sense to me, then I will worship. Then I will do. Church is where the body is. Church is a body and a family. And sometimes we treat it like a restaurant. The expectation is to be served. Can, can, can you just for a moment think about your home? Uh, try Men, where's the men? Try, try and do this at home. Hey, honey, please can I have some fries with that? You place an order. How will that go for you? Because church, church is a family. Church is a family. It's not a business. It's not an organization. Church is a family. So, so when idolatry, when it's about me, the way I speak to my wife or at home will be, uh, so, so this doesn't happen, just so you know, right? So I'll say, when are we eating? You know what my wife will say to me? We'll eat now just after you bry. <laughs> so sometimes we treat church, the attitude of idolatry and the, the worship of self is that I, the expectation is that I need to be served. And not to serve. So when I come to church, it is about what I can get out of it instead of what I am here to do. We even treat worship like that. You know, they didn't sing my song today. You know, the beat was just not, I wasn't, I wasn't, I, I learned the other word, but it, it's not that, but I'm thinking about that word. I, I learned the word, what vibing means. Uh, and it's not that. It, I just didn't get, it, it just didn't get my vibe today. It's all about self. Can I get an amen, church? Church is family. We all pull our weight around here. Ask my wife. We all pull our weight. You know, you know what she'll say to me? You know, we, we're at home and we're cleaning, right? Cleaning the house. So I, I won't necessarily vacuum the rooms. But you know what she'll say to me? The bride's dirty. The pool needs cleaning. The yard is, is, is untidy. The, the garage needs tidying up. Because we all pull our weight. Amen? Only if I can define what it is. You know what it presents itself like? 
it presents itself in a puffed up manner where everyone else is wrong and unworthy. I know this is the way. That's the attitude. We, we can even use the word to criticize others. The word says this, but look at what they do. It's critical, it's legalistic, and passes judgment one after the other. It's a I have arrived mentality. Often hypocritical in pointing out others' faults. A pastor preached it the other day. And not recognizing our own. We worship our own intellect, experiences, and virtues by which we live. Don't get me wrong, church. We are to call out sin in our own lives, and we are not to tolerate it. But we can start with ourselves first. And we, when we do call it out in others, let's do so with love. Because we are a family. Which means that we are concerned with the outcome. And that's the reason for calling it out in the first place. Can we just imagine that for a moment? Religion. Idolatry and idolatry, specific area of self. We value our thoughts way too, too highly. Hey? His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And we place so much emphasis on what I think, what I know, where I am, my experiences in life. So Jesus says, Jesus says, you worship that which you do not know. That's not the way. You worship that which you do not know. That is not the way. Second area says, you worship, we worship that which we know. He says, that's also not the way. You worship what you know, what you don't know, and you worship what you know. That isn't the way. But, remember that word? But. Hear the word but. So he gives, he gives them, he gives the two no-nos. Do not worship like this. That's not, that's not it. What it is, is to worship the Father in spirit and truth, which is internally motivated by the Holy Spirit in a relationship where one cannot help but to see the growth and maturity, take, maturity taking place. Turn to your Bibles verse, in John chapter 7. Verse 37. Are you there, church? I think it will come up on the screen as well. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. How do, you, how do we think that that takes place? It is not from the outside in. It is from within us. Because we are carriers of the Holy Spirit, internally motivated that, that the atmospheres are created where breakthroughs take place. Amen? It is not motivated by the do's and don'ts. 
It is not motivated by things externally to what is happening in our heart. It's what the Holy Spirit tells us. You will all of a sudden see growth and maturity and the acts that flow from that place, not the other way around. Where this is a relationship with Jesus by the Holy Spirit, working within us that produces fruit that lasts. Where love exudes, where there's responsibility, consistency, not tossed around by any wind of doctrine, a surrendered life, being a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ, compelled by the love of Jesus Christ to be His hands and His feet on earth, to be faithful and obedient, not from being externally motivated. In the year, specifically, the Lord gave me a word concerning what the end will look like. You know, there's Stephen Covey writes, there's a, 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 one of the habits he, he, he speaks of is, you know, in, any, in attempting anything, start with the end in mind. So, so I want you just to think about what our end will be. All our end. Where will we be? We will be standing before the Lord to give an account for how we've lived this life. Amen? Scripture says that. So what does that mean? What, is, what are we going to say to Him? What will the questions be? Will it sound like this? Kirk, how many things have you achieved in life? I don't think so. Kirk, um, how many, how big is your house? What car do you drive? Do you think that's going to be the question? It's going to be, Kirk, have you been faithful with what I've given you? And have you been obedient to what I've asked you to do? Those things only. Largely in those two categories. So when I think about that, I think about, but what does this mean for now then? If I start with the end in mind, what does that mean for now? It means to have a surrendered life. It means that I'm not externally motivated to be faithful and obedient. Because then I'll treat that as a tick box exercise. It will be one of those things that will show up in religion. Or it will show up in idolatry. But it's internally motivated. And the, it's the fruit that is displayed from living from a place of walking with the Holy Spirit. Day by day, moment by moment, each day. This is how we mature, church. It's being led by the Holy Spirit. Allowing the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, to teach us, instruct us, reveal Jesus to us. The image displayed in the Word of God and being transformed and matured by it. Amen? 
It's time spent in relationship with Jesus. Relationship, relationship, relationship. Our focus has to be Jesus and nothing else. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus and nothing else. Because we can make it about Jesus and my education. Jesus and my job. Jesus and where I live. I can tell you today, church, it's Jesus and nothing else. That has to be our focus, our number one focus. But we need help. We need help because life can be difficult at times. We get we become distracted by the things of life. Amen? Jesus is the beginning of everything in my life. Not the practice of worshiping. Not the knowledge that I acquire about Him. But it is to know Him. I'm driven from a place of knowing Him. You can see this in your kids. Just think about it. Who looks like their father? Mother? By show of hands? Who of us have got some of their mannerisms? Some of us, I hear the word shame. (laughs) Why do you think that is, church? Because they see us. They observe us. They look at this projected image in front of them. And they are changed and shaped by it. You talk to your kids. I talk to my kids. There's a relationship between us. I give them advice, I rebuke them and discipline them. In some areas I have to motivate them externally until I see internal motivation. They are maturing in some areas but still infants in some other areas. I am an, you and I, I, we are imperfect parents, imperfect parents. We have a perfect one. We have a perfect Father. How much more aren't we transformed by Him? It's a biblical principle, church. Listen to what the Word says. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image From glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. By what? By the Spirit of the Lord. You might ask, Kirk, to what end? This process sounds wonderful, but what happens at the end of this process? It ends, my brothers and sisters, with us all standing before the Lord. Let's pause for a second. What has God given us according to Scripture? When He says, what have you done with what I've given you? In this passage of Scripture, what has He given us? He's given us? He's given us the Holy Spirit. So so just for a second, He says, Claudia, Howard, I've given you the Holy Spirit. When we stand before Him, so what have you done with my Spirit? 
Have you been faithful in hearing, listening, obeying in what I've given you? So that's, that's, that's sobering to think he's given us this. Everything we need, everything we need, have you been faithful? And have you been obedient? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes, church. This is a process. It is a step-by-step process. There aren't any shortcuts. You can't step into a workplace at the age of nine. It is a process. It's a moment-by-moment, step-by-step process where we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. Do we want to reach a place of maturity? Then we've got to move from we've got to move from being externally motivated to being led by the Holy Spirit internally. It's not about the things; that's the focus. It is not about the works that become the focus that makes us feel better about who we are. But it is about being led by His Spirit so that we all look like Jesus. That we all look like Jesus. When we step into our workplace, they see who Jesus is through our lives. When we step into our families, away from church and church people, the church family, they see us They see Jesus in us. They see the working of the Holy Spirit. They don't see pride in idolatry of worship of self. They don't see the religious acts. They see Jesus in our eyes, in our hearts, at the splayed, at every turn. Entering in such... such a wonderful time with family, friends. And when we think about Christmas, Andre, you said it earlier, the reason for the season. We sang about him. Can it be more than just about what happens externally? 